Hi and welcome to Understanding the Law Radio. For the next three weeks, starting today, we'll be counting down six of the best special guest episodes of UTL Radio. We've had so many inspiring entrepreneurs, successful celebrities, and brilliant businessmen and women on the show. And in order to get ready for the upcoming Season 8, we'll be featuring the best of the best. Today, I'll be talking to celebrity chef and star of Bravo's Top Chef competition, Fabio Viviani. We're going to talk to Fabio about making it in the business world, personal success, social media, perseverance, and much more. This episode originally aired on October 17th, 2014, and is a really fun great entertaining episode with a lot of of solid business advice from Fabio. He's quite a character if you've ever watched the show. So if you've uh, seen Top Chef, if you follow Fabio, this is one that you don't want to miss. Also, make sure that you tune in on September 8th for the start of Season 8, the brand new season of UTL Radio. It's filled with new special guests and some very exciting episodes. So I look forward to speaking with you and sharing this information during the upcoming Season 8. Now, enjoy Fabio Viviani as he talks about how he made it in today's business world. Fabio, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for um, you know working it out so you could be back on today. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Sorry, guys. I have, uh, I have no voice very much. I've been in the last three, four days to do some extensive training uh, for my employees. So... I'm a good speaker, but I hate microphones, so I kind of lost my voice in the last three days. Uh, we we can hear you, so I think we'll be okay. You know, Fabio, Fantastic. we were talking, we were asking prior to the show to give us, you know, a word or a phrase that that comes to mind when they think of Fabio Viviani. And here are the top three: we had chef, Italian, and for most of the women polled, hot. So, <laughs> you know, all right. So, you know, what's interesting with that poll, though, is that businessman and entrepreneur, they weren't even in the top 10. So people don't necessarily see you as a businessman or an entrepreneur. And that's what we're going to talk about today because, you know, I think people believe that your success started with Top Chef, but that's not true because at 27, you owned five restaurants in Florence. Yeah, you know, this this is the part I love about the place I am in life right now. People still recognize me and associate me for what my passion is, which is being a chef. But the reality, the actual chef part of it only pays for 10% of my bill. Right. Um, you know, I have a wide restaurant business because we just opened our number 12. So, I mean, if you think about it, I haven't been in the United States for 10 years yet. And we have 12 restaurants. So we're doing okay as far as food and hospitality. But what I also do, I own and operate companies that train corporate America nationwide. Um, I'm a key key guest speaker. Um, I do keynotes. I do corporate training. I do consulting for hospitality business, hotel. Um, We just finished a three-day program at Harvard University for a, a huge corporate America that were trying to train their, um, their executive on marketing, social media, branding, and, and that was the key speaker for the, three, for the three days. 
I do other things. I do publishing. We publish cookbook. Yeah. I have uh, I have a company that does uh, media and social media. We manage over fifteen hundred accounts. I have uh, well, what I have. We do re- I do real estate. Um, I do I do I do I do few things. Um, but with that said, what makes me very happy, and the only part that I truly enjoy is to be a chef in a restaurant. Right. But you know that everything else is. Straight business. You know, but I think it's funny because, yeah, they see you as a chef. But what I I don't think people know about you, and this is the question that I have for you is, you know, at 27 years old, you own five restaurants. Most people in their 20s that live in the U.S. today still live at home, have no idea what they're going to do with themselves. So, what what <laughs> thing shaped your young life to make you so hungry and to want to be so? Uh, successful. What, what are there any things that happen? A pivotal well, event in you know, young life. When I when I was twenty twenty seven, yeah, when I was twenty seven, I actually had seven restaurants. I had a farmhouse. I had two hotel. I had a bed and breakfast, and I had three dance club in Italy. Um, what happened was that I started to work when I was eleven years old, <clears throat> and when I say work at eleven. I don't mean a lemonade stand. I was doing that when I was five. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I was five, I had a dozen of lemonade stands. I was buying lemons, and I was taking 40% off uh, from what the other kids were doing at their lemonade stand because I was providing the shack and the lemon. So I was kind of, you know, doing franchising already. But I was, I was five years old. When I was 11, I actually started to work for a paycheck in an actual business. And uh, I was very young, and during the day I couldn't work because I was going to school. We were talking about mid- middle school. And what I, what I did, pretty much I found myself a job at night, from midnight to 8 in the morning every day, seven days a week. I was, uh, I was working in a bakery when I was 11. And then I just, I don't know, man, I just loved to work, and I kind of needed because my mom was very sick. So... Mm-hmm. For me, in order to help the household paying the bill, I had to get a job. But I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to work because I was not the classic good student. Actually, if you ask me, I'm a horrible student. <laughs> I'm, I'm a great te- I'm a great teacher, but I'm a horrible student. I just I'm very anarchic. I don't like rules. I don't like regulation. I, I like creativity. I like independence, and that does not conform with school system. Right. So for me, dressing like every other kid was like, I would have rather shoot myself in the head. <laughs> and and, uh, and for me, just going to school, and I just I couldn't do it, man. I'm not very good in geography. I know nothing about history. And, you know, mathematics is not my thing. There is an app for it. I don't need to. So right. maybe I'm not that smart from a, from a, a, a socially acceptable standpoint. But I'm very street smart. You know, when I moved to this country in the United States in 2000 and, uh, well, December 2005, but then I got injured. So really, I started to look at America in February 2006. I didn't spoke a word of English, not one word. So for me, it was all about organization. It was all about what I wanted to do, having a good game plan. To think about America, the biggest reality about America is the it's not about how good you had it in your life. I grew up, you know, I grew up with food stamps. 
I, I, that's another story. But anyway, I grew up in food stamp. I didn't have a bed until I was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. So for me, America, it hasn't been about how good I had it. America is all about how bad you want it. And if you want it bad enough, you're going to find a way to make it happen. And if it's not happening for you yet, too fucking bad. It's your problem. You can't blame anybody by yourself. Stop blaming history. Stop blaming economy. Stop blaming time. Stop blaming your upbringing. Stop blaming your... Anything can be changed. Anything. If you think about the 90% of America's billionaire, they came from poor family. They have been broke at least one. And most of them, they have, they have through, gone through some very, very, very drastic financial situation. 90% of them. So, so it's possible. What, what, makes, what makes somebody be able to look at, you know, because look, you hear all this stuff about positive thinking, and positive thinking, in my opinion, doesn't really do anything unless you're going uh, to take some action with it. How, how do you deal with this adversity that comes up because it comes up for everybody? How do you personally push forward and look to the next big thing instead of, you know, saying, oh, it sucks? I always, I always tell people that while you guys are trying to figure out if the glass is half empty or half full, I'm trying to find a way to sell the fucking glass. So the reality is positive thinking is great because you got to be a positive person. Negativity, it will take you down because technically this is true. Everything you focus upon, it will happen. Worry, the word itself, worry, is the best way to make sure that things are not happening. If you worry too much, things never happen. That's how America wastes their time. They worry so much and then shit don't happen. Stop worry, start building, you know? For right. me, for me, it's, it's a matter of dynamics that makes in place a motor that fuel the success. Everything, dude, we're not talking about discovering a new planet. Everything is achievable in America. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having decent success, but I'm not the first one that did it. So the reality of it is if I, somebody has done it, all you got to do while you're staying positive, you have to figure out how I did it and do that again. That's, that's all it is. You want to be successful as I am in the restaurant? Great. Start to work 130 hours a week, which is the average of what I work right now. Associate yourself, associate yourself, associate yourself with good people. And what else you got to do? You got to find trust in financial institution. You got to find good investor and have a fantastic business plan and be positive and educated enough that what you tell them to make sure that they can invest in you is not a crock of shit. Right. It, it takes. I'm not saying it doesn't take a lot. I'm just saying it's very possible. And if you don't have the drive to make it possible, then blame every blame yourself, not everybody else, not the time, not the economy. Make sense. It does. How important to you is focus? You know, as far as what you focus on, the questions you ask yourself, how important is that to you in your success? You know, I got to say, that might be the wrong question for me because I'm the kind of guy that I, I'm doing 30 things, I want to do 60. I'm doing 60, I want to do 120. I just had to learn on how to delegate. So instead of turning projects down, I just hired new people 
that can focus on those projects so I can still nail the 20 I'm doing and they are bringing up the other one until what I do is, you know, I get free for one project, I jump in one else. I have like, seriously, 20 things going on. I have 20 things going on. Yeah, I have, I have like 20 things going on right now. But when the opportunity presents, I don't turn it down. I just hire a good person, equal to me, if not better. I create a company and I tell this person, hey, deal with this until I can focus on it. And that's how we have so many businesses. Right. I own a software company. I forgot to tell you. I bought, I bought five years ago, I bought a software company and... Now we're about to launch this product on the market, which I think will be revolutionary. And again, I haven't been able to focus for five, five years almost. So what did I do? I hired a fantastic person to understand software business as much as I understand restaurants. He's giving me all the basics. Now I'm ready. I'm taking over. Now, do you have a hand in all of your businesses? You mentioned at the beginning of the show that you were training your, your staff. So are you yes. hands-on with all your businesses? Yes, I have the final say on everything that's going on in my restaurant. My employee, my key employee, my colleagues, everybody around me has complete freedom to operate within a guideline. There is a system in process that's how you keep continuity. So what happens, the system creates rules and regulations while keeping you free to create whatever you like. That's how I grow talent. Ten out of my 20 business partners, they're my former employees 10 years ago. Simply because they understand rules, they understand dynamic on how to present a new idea, and I have the expertise to judge if those ideas potentially will be good. So let them build. Then at the end of the day, I'll decide if it's a good idea and we go for it. Because, again, 90% of the money I'm using is mine. So that's a, a small luxury I keep for myself, the, the final decisional power. But the process, but the process, the way you get there, it's, it's just a system that we have developed through the year. You know, just think about you know, the biggest reality, the biggest reality of America in predatorship is, first of all, you'll never get rid of problems. You will never get rid of problems in your life. You're only going to get better quality problems as you go. Right. You know, the more you grow, the more successful you are, the better quality problem you get. The other biggest reality is that nobody knows the recipe for success. Nobody. Not even the billionaire of America. What they do know very well is the recipe for disaster, which they learn from their mistake and they don't do ever again. You know, there is a bug that goes around. It's almost like a virus that goes around in American entrepreneurship. It's called stupidity. Keep doing the same things over and over and over and expecting different results. A lot of people in America don't succeed because they're too stubborn about keep elaborating, keep working on the same thing when they clearly know that they're not going anywhere. Right. You know, you have a passion for origami and you have been trying to make a business out of it for the past 10 years. Dude, keep it as a hobby and get a fucking job. Make sense? It does. It absolutely does. You know what? Once that's interesting. You know what? A lot of businesses, a lot of big business in America, they've got this fear of too much information to their employees because they don't want their employees to 
to know too much, to be as good as they are, to be able to make a ton of money of the advice. What do you think about that? I think it's a crock of shit. That's what I think. The reality, buddy, is if you don't cultivate your good employee and then eventually make them business partner, they're going to leave. Right. I would do it too. Why would it, Why would you want to leave? Why would you want a good employee leave you just because you're too greedy and you want to keep all the money? It doesn't make any sense. Open 10 more restaurants with them. I'd rather have 20% of a very large watermelon than 100% of the grape, and every three years I got to change employees with a good one that leaves me. Yeah, yeah. You can't How? do it unless you unless you're the I guess you're you know the oldest uh, profession in the world, right? Unless you're a high paid escort, I don't <laughs> think you can do anything by yourself. You need employees. <laughs> well, even even they have pimps though, right? And even they have some help sometimes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, in one interview, I heard you refer to yourself. Um, as a nice guy, you melt when you're around kids, but in business, you're a tank. What do you mean by that? Well, in business, I consider myself a tank. You know, you know, a tank. You understand the concept of a tank, like military, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. When you when you it's like it's like driving a tank on a freeway. Oh, let's put it this way: driving a tank in Manhattan. That's how I consider myself. When you are a tank and you drive through Manhattan, things are not happening to you; you're happening to them. So I'm not victim of circumstances. I make the circumstances happen. So, you know, people are waiting for the economy to hit to buy a new house. They're waiting for um, something miracle happen to get a pay rate. Somebody is waiting for 20 years to sell their stock bond. You know, I don't give a shit. I do things that I do when I need to do them regardless of what everybody else believes. I don't know if it, it's a hard concept to understand, but yes, there is some general rule on the market that, you know, if the market goes up, you might want to sell some assets and cash out. If the market goes down, it's time to buy. I get it. Fine. Right. But besides few general rules, you got to be the reason that shit happens, not everything else. So you're you're consistently taking action. Instead of letting things happen to you, you're the one that's putting yeah. these things into motion. And and would you say that consistent action is the way that you've been able to to build ongoing success? Yes, consistent action. When the when the newspaper tells you that something's about to happen, it's already late. Right. Yeah, that's true. Now, yeah. I'm sure that you've had ideas that you've you've come up with not work out, and a lot of people, unfortunately, oh. they say, "Oh, this didn't work out. I'm 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 done. I'm a loser," and then they don't try again. How do you deal with failure? Well, I, I, that, that's a blessing because you are just be made aware of one different way that your idea is not going to work out. So you're fortunate. You're just going to do something different now. Think about so you, Edison. Mm-hmm. Think about that Edison, right? The guy, the guy that invented the switch, the light, the electricity. Do you know how many times he tried before the Edison? Almost a thousand times. One thousand. Do you know how many? Do you know how many times Walt Disney did try to do what he did before he was Walt Disney? Fourteen. Do you know that Ford, the guy that invented car, failed and he was broke three times before 
the year that in America, 80% of the car on the planet, not in America, were Ford. So failure is just one step closer to success, depending on how stubborn you are. And I'm very stubborn. Very. So really, what's important is the way that you focus on things that are, are going on in your life. Because you can choose to focus yeah. and say, oh, this sucks, this is it's negative. Or you can focus on this learning experience. You cannot, listen, you can only control what you can control, right? So just stop fucking waiting. Stop complaining. There's nothing. What are you complaining about it? You walk in, you have two legs, you're healthy. Everything is fine. You're alive. You're healthy. That, that's, you're, you're made it already. You're luckier than a lot of people in America. So now focus on what's good. Try to baby step. One thing you don't want to do is to overshoot. You know, it's just out of culinary school. Don't hope to open your own restaurant. That is not going to work out. You don't have the expertise to do it. But you got to balance your expert, your expectation with your expertise level. Can you run a restaurant alone? No. Then shut the fuck up. Stop wanting a restaurant and start to learn how to run your profession before you run also everybody else's profession. I've been right. in business for 26 years. I haven't done this three years ago. This is my, my overnight success. He's been building upon 26 years of expertise. I didn't know how to run restaurant 15 years ago. I mean, I did because I hadn't, but I had people that were doing it for me. Make sense? Right. Yeah. So now, you I know, know what, what I wanted. Let me, let me ask you a question. People think that, you know, Top Chef's what made you. I'm sure that Top Chef gave you opportunities, but you it already... Did help. Right, it did help. Now, you know, isn't... Isn't it true that, that they asked you multiple times to be on the show before you agreed? Yeah. Actually, I, I went on Top Chef after four times. I was asked to be on season two, three, and four. And I said, no, guys, I got to do some other stuff now, more important. I was opening my first two restaurants in America. So my followers needed to be there. Right. And then and then I decided to do it. And I got a couple of chances. And the decision to do it for you, I mean, is it, what, was, what was driving you? Was, was it fame? Was it uh, opportunity? No, I, I, don't, I don't care about fame. I really don't care. If some people think I'm famous. I, I, I could, if I could give it up without affecting the business, I would. Mm-hmm. I don't care to be famous. I want to be, be secure. I want to provide for my family. I want to provide for my employees. I want to provide for my business partner. And if I could do that and be as successful as I am, Without television, I'll be giving it up tomorrow. It is fun. Let me wrong. Look, it's fun. A lot of people get very excited. And as a principal, I like to make people happy. So that's right. good. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly private person, and I'm not a big show-off. And so for me, TV, it is what it is. I'll keep doing it because I think most people said I'm good at it, but not what I, I was planning to do, you know. But for you now, at this point, I mean, it's been a means to an end because it's it has generated a number of opportunities for you, and and so yeah. you know, it's it's it worked out. Never said it didn't. I yeah. just said I don't enjoy as much as people believe I do. Right, right. Now, do you think that people that go on to Top Chef in in search of fame and that's their primary focus, fame, that they're kind of like doomed to failure because they're not thinking about success, but just thinking about, yeah. you know, yeah. that fleeting moment of fame. Yeah, yeah. they just want to shake in, kiss baby, and get laid three times on a Saturday night because of TV, and they want to sign three, hopefully, cookbooks that they will publish maybe once and never sell because they don't have a marketing machine behind. 
Right. It's such a waste. We had you had over three hundred. You had I had over three hundred people on Top Chef in the past twelve years. And I can tell you, four five that made a actually a good success out of it. Yeah. Yeah, half of them I you can't you know, Yeah, myself, Carla Hall, Mike Isabella is doing fantastic. Um, Richard Blaze is doing is doing okay, and uh, there you go. I gotta think about the fifth one. See. <laughs> you know, if you take a look at your website, FabioViviani.com, I mean, there is so much going on. You've got a line of yeah. cookware at Bed Bath & Beyond. You've got wine. You've got a magazine. You've got books. I mean, you've yeah, got, I got it my own. Yeah, I got my own magazine. That's one thing that I wanted to do it because I couldn't find that. But believe me, now, uh, of, give me a chance to publish one. They said, nah. You're not famous enough. All right, it's all right. I'll do it by myself. Now it's top ten magazine in the United States. But you know that's that's uh, you know that's funny. I like to see happen things like that because I like to people say I told you. Right. <laughs> it is. So, I, I try to ma- I try to make things happen, buddy. That's all it is. Let me ask you this because I think I already know the answer. But when somebody tells you that you can't do something or you can't succeed, what does that do to you inside? If people tell me you will never be able to do this, it's on for me. It's like a, it's like a dare. It's like an implicit dare. Not only I'm going to do what you're thinking I can, but probably so good at it that my people are going to work for me. <laughs> I've done it before a few times, actually. <laughs> you know, um, we've got uh, we've got a few minutes left before you have to run. I just want to announce the winner of the autograph cookbook and. Uh, they have submitted a question for you, so I want to read your question so you have an opportunity to answer it. So um, the person who was randomly selected is Megan Sutton and her daughter, Emma Sutton, from Kansas. And here's their question. Here's the question. Do you have any tips for young people who want to train in the cooking industry? Emma wants to be a chef professional. She cooks every day and is constantly experimenting with new ideas, but we have no idea how to help her move forward to the next level. Yes, she needs to start to work in some restaurant with somebody as an intern, feeling potato, working long hours, forgetting about Christmas, forgetting about family, forgetting about holiday, forgetting about every time their friend has fun, because when everybody's going to be out and have fun, she's going to be working in the kitchen. Saturday, Sunday, holiday, Christmas, Christmas Eve, Year's Eve. She wants to give up a good part of her childhood and fun, then she's going to be probably a very good success in the restaurant business. If she's a person that needs to be close to her family, needs to be her Saturday and Sunday off, Friday night, she got a boyfriend, they want to go out for dinner, Christmas, she got to take a week off to make sure that she goes through all the festivities, then restaurant business is not for her. Keep her as a hobby and be a great doctor or a great veterinarian doctor or something else that does not has nothing to do with restaurant business. Restaurant business is still, for me, 100, 130 hours a week work of restaurant. And it's a lot of work when everybody else has fun. That's why the mortality ratio in restaurant employee from a restaurant standpoint, as far as keeping the job, is 95%. It's, a, it's very sad. that 95% of every children that will go to culinary school in three years will no longer be in this business because they're going to be like, fuck this. I don't make any money, and I got to work this much through the holidays, the weekend. The first 10 years, you really got to be driven by your passion. Then you start to make some money. But before you start to get, you know, 
in the hundred thousand, eighty thousand, hundred and fifty thousand dollar range in the restaurant, you gotta do a lot, man. And most kids they don't feel that way. They want everything and they want it right away, which is everything but restaurant business. I hope I hope you had fun talking to me, man. Fabio, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Good thank luck you. with your new book. I uh, appreciate you thank giving you so much. And I know you guys have a busy schedule. If you guys head on over to FabioViviani.com and look on the link, where's Fabio, you'll see all the appearances that he has. So uh, congratulations with everything, Fabio, and good, good luck. Thank, thank you guys for this interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Once again, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Understanding the Law Radio. And I want to remind you that our brand new season, filled with exciting guests, is starting on September 8th. Make sure that you tune in every Tuesday and Thursday for more episodes of UTL Radio. I'll see you next time.